0: Welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast about first year English from Columbus State University in Georgia. I'm your host, Rebecca Gertis McLean, and with me is Associate Host Sunday Rose and Assistant Host Joe Miller. Today we're talking about why first-year English is important. and The three of us all teach first-year English regularly. Um, Sunday, do you want to kind of walk us through what you think is valuable about the course?
1: Absolutely. Um, I teach a lot of first-year comp classes as like a senior lecturer and I always go into the semester with the mindset that the English department is unique in that we see almost every single student. Mm-hmm. Every student that moves through um, English 1101, 1102 is going to move on to something. And that's co- sort of unique about us. So, and this may be my own vanity, but I get a sense that I get to show them how they're going to write through the rest of their college career and beyond. And like, um, one, that becomes a little bit of pressure on me because I'm always cognizant about who's going to get them after me. Um, but it's so important because just like a marathon runner has to learn form first, and then once you get tired and achy, you just rely on your form. That's kind of how I think about first year comp, is that I'm teaching them form that they can rely on later um, to inform whatever paper. If they're history, they're political science, their whatever. The stuff they learn in my class is going to carry them through, which is obviously a pie in the sky kind of way to think about it. I mean, who knows? They may step outside the door at the end of the semester and be like, Rose, who? Yeah. But that's why I perceive it to be so important because like what they learn in our class is almost literally how they're going to write the rest of their life. So that's why.
0: It's so interesting um, because I share the, the sense of how many students we get to touch and that it's this kind of foundational introduction to the university and like what it means to be a writer in a scholarly way. And that's going to be, I mean, so much of high school writing has been either opinion without too much behind it or just summary. Mm-hmm. And this idea of analyzing somebody else's ideas and responding to them is its nuance shift and I really struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the longer I teach, the more I get away from wanting to teach form per se. I'm really interested in helping them understand, like looking at a genre of writing and trying to figure out how they can fit in it. So, um, and it's that complication you say of we have so many different classes. Like, I can teach them how to write a great literature paper and probably a pretty good paper in something like English, or I'm sorry, um, history and a kind of really closely related field. But when it comes to like business or science and the APA writing and whatnot, that's not what most of my training is in, although I can show them how to notice the traits of that type of writing and fit in with it. But more than that, like I think that's the useful side of it that I can pitch to them, I'm going to really help you. I just think that I'm helping them develop their ideas and then develop their ability to listen to other ideas critically, which is not just important as a student, but kind of like um, as a citizen, which sounds like such a big ideal, but I think is really important. They don't get our, our examples of public discourse are not, let me listen to what you said and consider reply. It's, um, I'm gonna wait until you stop talking and then I'm gonna say something unrelated as loud as I can mm-hmm. and then you're right. gonna reply as loud as you can and you know just kind of go back.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Joe? Well, I, I agree with you all about the idea of it being the introduction to college. So in, in as much as college is important, I think our uh, first year English is, is even more important because I, I really see it as sort of the Rosetta Stone of the experience here. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, so the question is, why is college important? And if you look at what it the purpose it serves or the role it serves in our society is, it's kind of like a gate for the middle class or yeah. whatever, which I don't like that idea at all. Um, but it is where, I mean, to, to succeed, you've got to come up with novel ideas, um, new viewpoints to solve problems and that sort of thing. And um, First Year English is a place where you can, where you can start to do that. Um, uh, I also we haven't you you all didn't talk about the aspect of first-year English being writing for purpose and audience Mm -hmm. right I think that's that's really key is to help them to see that writing tool it's a tool but it it responds to different circumstances and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing Um, and then ultimately I think the most important thing is at least in my classes is that I'm trying to deprogram them from public education.
1: I find that to be wildly frustrating as well because like you were saying in high school, so much of how they write is very specific to a test or a particular essay, and so they it's like a crutch. So if you sort of remove the strict rubric from them and ask them to think independently of that, they become frozen mm-hmm. because so much of what they've been taught in high school is dependent on a teacher saying do it like this and do this and then say this and then end it like this and then when you take that format away from them It becomes very jarring Mm -hmm. and
0: I think it's the high-stakes aspect of that format so Mm -hmm. they don't learn the format as here's a useful way to get you started and let's go deeper they're like Mm -hmm. here's something I'm gonna teach you that you're gonna take this test and if you do bad your future is this and I as a teacher we're gonna lose money right Mm -hmm. the the way that these are these artificial writing situations that the students have so much anxiety about because their teachers have so much anxiety about Mm -hmm. Um, and so everybody is interested in how can we game the test right to get the little advantage that we need um, in this way and so it it is it's counterproductive and it's kind of that assembly line version Mm -hmm. of school you know we kind of are moving away from individualized attention in a lot of places and it's really hard to get them to to believe me they always think that I have an answer mm-hmm. and I'm just not giving it to them mm-hmm. so they're like well just tell me what to write and I'm like well what's your goal mm-hmm. um, what do you want to do you have some choices and there's like well, what choice would you pick yeah um, and it's it's very uncomfortable that negotiation because they feel like it's me as a teacher failing right like just tell me what you want and I'm like what I want
1: is for you to go through this process mm-hmm. I'll pull the old like well what do you think yeah. and that's what's so important about our especially 1101s and I have seen in the fall 1101s in the fall mm-hmm. are a little bit hard, a little bit greener of, um, than they are when i see them in the spring or especially in the summer and they really are with their shoulders clenched and i'm not them, i can't tell you what to write what do you think mm-hmm. and then um, i've fallen into the paradigm where they want me to read what they write as they write it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I look over there and I'm like, will you read this and tell me, tell me. And I'll be like, what do yeah. you want me Is to tell good? you? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, what does good mean? Exactly. And, and then I'm like, their heads what do you explode. mean? I was like, what do you mean?
1: Is it good? I was like, do you think it does the job? And they're like, well, I think it does. I'm like, well, then, okay. But they want me to read it. And I have fallen into that, that trap. Mm-hmm. But sometimes our classes are short that that really eats up a lot of time yeah. in my class, having to visit and chit chat and mm-hmm. and all that. So we're kind
0: of. Before we kind of go into
1: what we do in our classes to
0: work up to what we value, or if we're gonna talk about even what gets in the way, I do think it might be interesting to think about what we think other stakeholders or invested parties actually think the value of the classes for example students the administration the general Mm, public mm -hmm. Mm. Um, so like for instance my view of like the administration is for them it's a very practical class Um, they want students to like come into the class not quite whatever college level writing means and to leave with whatever that means Mm -hmm. it's supposed to like save other teachers from having to do that. And the generous read is that it's supposed to be democratic. We'll take students wherever they come, we'll get them all up to the same playing field, and then they can leave.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But Joe, when you were talking before about the gatekeeping function, I think that's one of the ugly sides of first year composition, that oftentimes what the class becomes is they come in and if they can't cut it there, they can't cut it in college, and we get rid of them. Right. Um, or we don't get rid of them, but they fall out in those right. types of things. Which is a
2: horrible role. I don't want to do that. No, that's right. not Who wants I got to into do teaching to be. Um, to be the gatekeeper for success in our society at all. And I
0: don't you know? think administration wants the class to do that. They want to have high retention mm-hmm. rates, but you know, they don't necessarily understand writing the way that writing teachers understand mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, my my solution would be smaller class sizes and maybe, you know, developmental classes and other types of resources yeah. and whatnot. And you know, they're well, just
2: like Yeah, part of it is what what do you focus on? I, I guess to answer that question, I don't know exactly what the administration wants necessarily, but um, I do remember some conversations that I've had, one in particular that stands out with somebody that teaches in the business school, mm-hmm. and they were t- just lamenting how bad the grammar skills are of their students, you know, going into their, and, and almost kind of putting it on me like you all aren't aren't bringing the students up to speed, um, and i how do you explain to them, you know, that like grammar is sort of a secondary mm-hmm. a secondary thing in this whole process. If we go back to what we're looking at, what's important about first-year English, and that it's the, it's the introduction to the whole college experience, which is sort of to blow up what you've done before. You're no longer about following rules and being obedient and, you know, becoming a servant. You're trying to come up with new ideas that are your own and, and express them and that sort of stuff. So if you're teaching to that, I mean, grammar's like it uses completely different parts of the brain and that sort of stuff. So um, I don't know. I think I guess I would say that there's sort of a tension there. I think that, mm-hmm, that the, sure. the higher up they see they see education as this sort of uh, mechanical system that you ought to be able to sort of put people through. Um, in a kind of a one-size-fits-all sort of way that we ought to be as professionals be able to take this broad range of, right. of Abilities and interests and, and get them all like you said up to the same level
0: and, um, and I think not all the time, but oftentimes it's they're trying to be responsible with resources They so yeah. have every day they have fewer resources And they keep you know like this is a way that we can do the most good for the most students But I think it's worth asking the question like at what point have you made so many compromises that what you're giving them is no longer the thing you were trying to give them?
1: Wow. And when you talk about administration, so like things like grammar and mechanics are such a sort of identifiable skill. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So like somebody outside the English department can look at an essay and they can see that it's riddled it with errors. And in their particular sense, it can be a failure because it didn't meet these very easily measurable tent pulse mm-hmm. do you know mm-hmm. but it's inside though we can understand that this kid is smart and this kid is thinking critically um, and so the grammar is something else but I struggle with this so much um, about in terms of what is the most important thing to do in terms of like grammar and stuff because mm-hmm. we can't send them out with it, with no kind of um, ideas and no kinds of grammar skills because they're going to fail other classes their essays for other classes are not going to do well but then if you get into it then it eats up so much time that you can't talk to them about critical thinking and and then when you, you think of students i think students their expectations are often that
0: they're going to get grammar that you're, yes
1: that it's going to be some kind of grammar class and that especially in 1101 but i mean i don't know this to be true but in my mind i assume they get it in high school or middle school well here's
0: the insane thing about the grammar problem um, when we go back like the history of when they started teaching writing like way back like in higher education like in the 1880s they were trying to figure out logically, how do we do this thing? We know they're good writers, we know they're bad writers. And one of the things was, they they were like, oh, well, maybe we have to start with, we'll start with words, then we'll start with sentences, that's where we get the grammar, then we'll start with paragraphs, and then we'll build, it was very kind of mechanical. And so they kind of called that thinking like current traditional um, rhetoric or teaching. And so they had students write all the time and they corrected everything. But as we all know, like students don't stop making, like that didn't work, it's never worked. We've never had a version where students stop making errors. And so when they started really doing research on teaching writing in the 60s and 70s, one of the things they found, so first of all, is teaching grammar, at least in the way that we teach it, kind of that descriptive here are the rules, doesn't make people better writers. It might Hmm. prepare them to fix a grammar test so that they can take it and fill in on the bubbles, but when they're actually producing writing, It doesn't mean that their errors get eliminated. Um, And the other thing that we've learned, or another thing, there's there's tons, is that when students are writing, when they're doing a new, harder skill. So I might have a student who can summarize and their grammar is reasonably good, it makes sense, no big deal, nobody's really going to notice it. But then I ask that student to analyze a quote and respond to it. They're going to, when they spend the cognitive work to do that, suddenly their grammar might fall apart. Exactly. They didn't forget well, yeah. grammar, right? Yeah. They, but they were, list, They were as a student doing a new skill, they were trying to focus on the thing that we were teaching. They
1: reallocated the effort. Right, and well, this that's, way. that's
2: something that I took out of grad school when I was a graduate teaching assistant. We had a little support class, and we read a lot mm-hmm. of materials, and one of the ones that stuck with me is that the, and I don't even know if it's true, but it makes sense to me, is that if you're using the right side of your brain to come up with critical ideas and big ideas and that sort of stuff, you're using, it's a zero sum game. You're like, you're losing less, using less from the left side of your brain, which is dealing with grammar and that sort of thing. And I
0: don't know if it's zero sum, but, <clears throat> they can't do everything all the time with a new skill, right? And I, and you know, one of the things we'll notice, like you know, I get to teach a few upper level classes. When we, when students get there, they're much better, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've gotten more comfortable with the critical thinking, and then the other stuff can kind of come in and clean it up, right? Mm-hmm. As they go, they improve. Um, there's another really interesting piece. I think it's Joseph Williams, and it's called the Phenomenology of Error. But he wrote this really long piece. Um, basically, the thesis is when we read student writers. We are obsessed with finding error. like That's the number one thing that we need to do, but that's not how we read other writing, right? If I pick up a journal and I'm looking through it, they make choices that aren't grammatically perfectly correct all the time. Mm -hmm. And he even sprinkled errors throughout his piece of different, they could be style errors, usage errors, actual grammar errors. Um, And he was, and you know, you don't even notice that he's doing it usually until the very end when some of the more egregious ones. And you know, and he's like, we're not treating them like intellectuals whose ideas we care about. Um, we're just kind of going through and, and policing the grammar in a way that real writers, I think there's a threshold. That people have to be able to understand you. Your grammar errors can't impede meaning. Right. But beyond that, like if I'm gonna get published, I'm probably gonna have an editor, right? Yeah, or I'm gonna right. have an editing
1: process. Right, but that complicates assessment. Mm-hmm. And this is what I struggle with too, because I I can't reward a paper that is so sloppily put together this is sort of my own methodology mm-hmm. um, and I tell my students that um, our goal is to produce um, essays or papers by the end of the semester that we have you know less than three or four errors mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, but it complicates assessment because what they are going to move on yeah. to another class that their expectation is that they're going to, you know, keep their grammar tight. Right. And then they're going to look at us and be like, well, I didn't have to do that in my 1101 class. She didn't care. So, And it just really complicates how much weight you put in on the, the mechanics of it. Right. Yes, we want them to create huge big ideas but when they get when they graduate and they sit down with their boss and their boss tells them to write a report and it's completely sloppy the boss isn't going to care how the great ideas right. are it's going to tell how I mean, how it looks and how I don't, polished I don't, it is I don't I don't think
0: it has to be a I think the dichotomy <clears throat> might be false there like yeah. they can write a report that has some errors in it or those types of things but you're getting at There's a real disconnect in our cultural ideas about writing that we just assume are true and that people carry, even within the university, all the time. And what writing studies research tells us, those things have not kind of... Permeated mm-hmm. thinking. So people, are like, you know, they'll say what's good writing and they'll say grammatically correct writing. We could show you examples of writing all day long where someone has no errors and it is nonsense. Yeah. Or it is logically ridiculous mm-hmm. or it doesn't do these things, right? Mm-hmm. Good writing depends on its purpose and it depends on its audience. But we don't. I, I, you know, good luck finding somebody on the street who that's where they're going to go for. I it. want it to be both. Is that
1: ridiculous? Like, are no. my expectations too? high? That I, I mean, I know obviously. Early well, and, and they're going to leave, and they're going to
0: see other teachers. Well, yeah, I want it to I, be I, both. I don't
2: teach grammar really hardly at all. Um, the way I teach grammar is I, t- I set up, I require, I set up a visit from the academic center for mm-hmm. tutoring. Same. I require them to go to at least one thing, and Me then too. I explain. Well, first of all, I say grammar is not rules. It's a set of tools that you use to communicate the way you want mm-hmm. to communicate. That's one. Two, get help with it. Don't Grammar is not something that you should do alone. Yeah. So like this whole idea of a paper coming in with fewer errors and that sort of thing, On, I just think that's, like you said, if you write it for a real publication, you're gonna have an editor, you know, and, and uh, um, uh, boy, I just lost my train of thought.
1: <laughs> well, um- how do you guys feel about asking your students to use the ext- like use extensions for grammar like grammarly absolutely yeah i tell them
2: i tell them you know I- I'm a professional writer. I've written books, written for magazines, written all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. And I still, my wife is my proofreader. Mm-hmm. She's really good at that kind of stuff. I'm bad at details. I'm sort Same. of a big picture kind of thing. You guys
0: see my emails? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I teach
2: the students, type, you know, grammar is something you got to get help with. Maybe you're good at it. You can help a lot of other people. But, you know, for your papers going forward, mm-hmm. go to the Academic Center for Tutoring. That's what I do. Get a boyfriend or a girlfriend that, that is good at, yeah. at grammar, that sort of thing.
0: There's also, they have, for teachers, maybe this is something someday we can do professional development on in apartment. department, they have a couple different approaches that they suggest. Like so one is it's called minimal marking. It's a, it's a way of responding. Um, but the idea is like you you find errors and mark them and ask students to go and correct them. Um, and again, um, it's kind of like grammar in their own papers. Another version, the one I like, is um, isolating patterns of errors. So like let's say I get a paper and if I count up the errors that I find, there's 20. But it turns out like 11 of them are comma splices. In that case, then, I can say to the student, just kind of ignore the little probably one-time typos and say, your issue is comma splices. And then I have a little thing that I write up explaining what they are with an example. And, like, I want you in your next paper to do your best to not have any comma splices. And Mm -hmm. here's, like, three ways you can revise a sentence. Um, And so the student has to put effort into it. But they get pretty good reward, right, Right. Um, that they can learn. And like so for me, like, I love sentence fragments as a writer. But I know that about myself. My drafts are full of them, but it's something that I think about. And then, you know, I can decide, is that one worth it to me? Or I can go through, and I'm not going to catch every mistake that I make, but it's kind of being, what's the word, um, helping them realize that they can be really targeted in the things that they do.
1: Intentional. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we were talking about, just to go back to the administrative stuff and their perspective on it. um, I think the important thing to remember about administrative expectations and administrators in general is that for the most part, they're people who are sick of teaching. They got into administration, you know, to kind of get out of a workload. They don't produce a lot of um, uh, uh, publications and research and that sort of stuff. So it's kind of its own thing, you know, it's a
1: yeah so it's like ivory tower switch situation people who aren't
2: like on the street really level uh.
0: this is so interesting so i'm in a weird spot my my appointment is half technically administration but it's very much at the department level um so it, it it's like the lowest level of administration you could do and then half teaching right um and my sense is administrators often feel that faculty are the ivory tower difficult can't take any suggestions because everything becomes an academic debate, they're completely impractical, and then I see faculty and they're like, administration doesn't know what they do, they don't value us, like there's such a communicative disconnect, and I think about like the things that I would teach my students, and I, I want to like set everybody down in a room and like, what are our core values, how do we communicate these things, but of course that's not the case, we almost never talk to each other unless something is wrong, Well, maybe I want to give, you a,
2: give you a story, I, you know, well, one one person who's uh, ascended the heights of our administration here Um, at one time was interim chair for our department and um, when I turned in my annual review they looked at uh, the student evaluations and found that the category about the class being academically challenging Mm -hmm. was lower and and then he went and looked at the grades and saw that my grades were high and he knocked me down gave me a a satisfactory instead of an excellent review which is problematic in my trying to get tenure <clears throat> and you know I had my teaching philosophy in there which is that I want the students to feel like it's easy like I teach I teach writing from a process oriented thing so I want them to mm-hmm. I want them to feel right. like it's easy and I also want them to do well in it you know right. and get higher grades and that sort of stuff so I had to fight I had to like go and look at what grades they got Followed the students and oh, what goodness. they got later I mean I really had to work on it and uh and then later, I go to a conference out in California about diversity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a UUA or whatever it's called, UAA, one yeah. of those organizations. And and I'm going to all these conferences, and they're all doing, like the goal is, like I see this huge study that Harvard's part yeah. of, and one of the goals is that all the students in comp get higher grades so that they move forward and that sort of stuff. And then I go into these other conferences and find out that people are doing the exact same kind of pedagogy that's process-oriented, trying to make it okay. easy and that sort of stuff. So, you know, and then, This is an administrator that doesn't teach as many courses as me, doesn't teach any comp or anything like that. Is like in meetings all the time and seeing stuff, I mean, from my perspective, you know, they're not only out of touch, they're sort of like, they're tainted by the, the, you know.
0: Bureaucracy?
2: No, by our society, like our society, our public education system, for all intents and purposes works, especially before college works, to entrench and maintain our caste division, our class divisions, yeah. and that sort of thing. So, um, uh, so that kind of thing—the whole idea of grade inflation, right. or you know, you know—that well, that is like exactly that. That they're basically like using education yeah. as this way to like. I mean, the whole idea of of college and first-year English being a, a gatekeeper for the middle class, right. like that itself. Fits into this whole idea of We're
1: class, with air
2: and cla- stuff. you know, class I, divisions
1: and that sort of thing. The, well, the like you know, we talk a lot about what our expectations are and what the administration, the administrative expectations are, but like there's a really gaping hole in like what do our students think that they're oh, about to go. get into? Yeah, like you know what I mean when they sit down in their English 1101 and so, and like so many because of the way our program works, so many of our students hit 1102 um, as high school students still. I um and so like what do we think they think they're about to get into like and and there's a re- there's a continuum right? right like so many of them think and i think it depends on their background Uh, socioeconomically but some of them thinking this is going to be the hardest thing that I've ever done their um, high school teachers have really really um, embedded in them a fear of what college is going to be and you're never going to have it it's easier and then the other half of them is thinking oh well it's just going to be extension of my high school and I get both of those so I'm always interested to hear what the students expect to be because I get it I'm like wow this this is not what I thought it was going to be which my class is very non-traditional anyway I mean we write we write like a traditional class right but I'm just always just so aghast at hearing how what their expectations are I'm like really is that what
0: you thought it was going to be well and I think one of the things that you both are getting at um it's like a behind it right so there's like the the issue you're talking about but there's also the issue of um particularly so I don't know for sure who you're talking about I would bet you know money that it was probably a trained like literature and not trained in writing studies Yeah, and there's a there's an assumption in English departments and part of it is just to fit the makeup of who's already in the departments um, and part of it is it goes with our culture like if you're a good writer clearly you can teach writing but there are plenty of people the vast majority of teachers of composition around the country have not been trained in teaching writing mm-hmm. and they probably either came up with again like their mentors were super into this idea of like I had a There was someone when I was in grad school, and it was one of the literature people, he wasn't on my committee, but he made people cry all the time at their defense, and he was, like, proud of it. He was like, I'm defending the rigor of the program. They need to be like this. And, you know, I was always like, if that's what I thought academia was, I wouldn't want to be in it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that type of idea that they're defending some crazy ideals, and also um, they have strong feelings about writing, but they're just based on kind of their own, like, is this how I learned? Is this what's important to me? It's really not been unpacked with pedagogy. And a lot of, again, the high schools, right? So usually um, they're, it's a weird mix of literature and yeah. English writing, and well, students think those things are the same, most high school not just for yeah.
1: Well, most high school English teachers have English, like traditional English right. majors. But they're not, there's not necessarily a lot of ret comp folks right. teaching 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And that's... Um, writing Changing slowly it is yeah. but, but by and large most of the teachers um, back end writing like you know they right. present them with some sort of reading exactly. literature rhetoric whatever and they sort of walk they back into the writing portion right. of it um and so uh, it becomes a real and then and even in just the last few years the last 10 years this particular department is how we approach the interdisciplinary of mm-hmm. 1102 like it used to be when I, I mean even when i was an undergrad you read short stories in 1102 and you and you looked at short stories and we're moving away from that model so yeah. so students still have some really old antiquated ideas about what it is
0: and we do culturally and that's why part of the reason you'll get someone like your business instructor who's like oh they're terrible writers um cuz anyone who can write they think they could teach writing. I was at a Popular Culture Association conference once, and I was talking to this guy. He was a really nice guy, but he was a philosophy um, professor. And you know, they were having like budget stuff at their schools, and whatnot. And he's like, "Just let us teach freshman composition. Like, we're all great writers." And you know, I'm like, face palm, No, yeah, <laughs> actually, man. you, it, you know, I can only imagine. And it's not like it's impossible, right? If you give some good faculty development, these are smart people. There are lots of things mm. that transfer. But you just can't put somebody in and expect them yeah to magically know how to teach writing
1: not at all mm-mm,
2: mm-mm. No. Yeah. no it's a scary place to be um we're t- about the students what the students think what do you, that is a really interesting question to try and i mean the closest i come to it is i haven't done this in my classes for a while but i did a lot early on but i, I would ask who in here doesn't like writing i do that you know okay
1: mm-hmm. so i have a little bit that i do
2: too so <laughs> i think a lot, a lot of it is their expectations coming in based on what they had in, in high school and, and junior high. And, and what they my, even define as writing. Yeah. Right.
1: And I'll, the very first day, I, you wouldn't believe how many kids I have or people standing at the podium waiting to confess to me that I'm not a great writer. I just don't know how well I'm going to do in this class because I'm not a great writer. And my reaction is always, well, I don't really believe that. Like that's my that's my reaction. It's like mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I believe everybody's got a little bit of writer in them, um, but they're just they have this. So I don't know what they're reacting to right. when they when they walk up to me on the first day of class and say, "Oh well, I'm not a good writer." What does that? What are they saying? They're not good at.
0: They're reacting to bad grades throughout. Bad possibly
1: grades, grades, bad as well. Teaching, grades, teaching,
2: yeah. teaching writing yeah. as a as a means of social control and conformity. Yeah. Um,
0: They're not thinking about the fact that they have a blog or the fact that they write lyrics or the fact that. Or tweets. um, Yeah, that they're super convincing with their friends when they want to persuade them about things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I've been saying this. I've been shouting this into the void for many many years but you know everybody always wants to roll their eyes at our digital natives now and you know the Millennials are they're already aged up they're in their thirties yeah. we're in Gen Z we're in digital natives and these students you're talking about situation writing for situation they are the most savvy at that at negotiating a particular rhetorical situation because if you think about how many places and uh, places that they write and they have to switch registers for every single one so they're making a tweet and this voice that they are making something for a particular audience on their snap but then their mom and their third mm-hmm. grade teacher is going to see something on Facebook so they're changing registers again and they're more savvy at that and that's why you know my particular scholarship is about transfer right they already know how to do this but they feel like they right. feel like this this academic writing class is so separate from what they're already doing because
0: what they they don't know is they know the audience for Twitter mm-hmm. and they know the audience for Facebook and they know the audience for these things imagining an academic audience that's where they're just like i don't know yeah stuffy people who i guess i should write really angrily about how well, I really you affect. can
2: see it in their errors I and mean, that's part yeah, of mm-hmm. what I, what made me see this is because i'd see their errors and they would do they would make uh, be grammatically could make not make the error in one part of the paper mm-hmm. and then make the error in another part of the error and my paper uh, part of the paper and the way i assess that is that they're Scared you know yeah. that they're like they're worried about like they're not confident with their choices and they're afraid that if they make a mistake or whatever right.
0: Or they're mimicking so, a voice that and, doesn't And also natural. that they
2: they know you know somewhere in there sort of how this yeah. stuff works But they're second-guessing themselves is yeah. my sense from from looking at theirs So so as far as what they expect I don't know I guess my sense is that I don't think they know what to expect And I they I don't sense that they really expect me <laughs> when they get into my class because yeah. Well, I know they don't because I yeah, you know, I'm going to teach this completely differently than you've ever had in an English class before. That's what I'm saying. Like,
1: this is not going to be like anything that you've ever done. So everybody just, like, put your shoulders down and exhale a little bit and let's just, like, get into it. Which that in
2: itself underscores the importance of it. Like, I think just to have a point in your life where you go to a place and they say, you know. All this bullshit that you've been taught is just that. It's it's actually like it here's the keys to the kingdom. You're you're you know what I mean? It's <laughs> not. I mean that's putting more, more weight onto it. But but like but, for a student at 18 or whatever to, to go into an official place and you're all scared, like you said, mm-hmm. they build up this expectation that in college they'll never accept an error and you've got to be. I heard all that bullshit. Yeah, for sure. Not, you know, but then you get there and you see that you got this professor. That, well, these professors that say. No, everything you learned is wrong. You're in control.
1: You can like, I this like is throw your that life. hamburger out. So I tell them, throw your hamburger out. Although, and and
0: I and I love those moments, and I agree. But I think one of the shocking things for students is then when our class is done, ten minutes later, they're going to go sit in another class, and that professor's going to be like, "If you have more than three errors, you lose a letter grade." Um, That's so the disconnects of it. Well, so they get con- conflicting writing advice and instruction constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you know, one of the activities I do is I teach them how to read a prompt. I um, mean, you know, like look Smart. for the verbs, um, look for this and that, we practice on our own prompt. But the truth is, I've seen some prompts across the other departments, and some teachers have really good thoughtful prompts. Our quality enhancement plan has been doing a lot of things with tilt, which is a way to write clear ones. But there are some dreadful, they're like, they're the worst, and there's, for students, like there's no this teacher has expectations around the paperwork look, but the prompt doesn't make any of that clear because in the teacher's mind this is all obvious. Well right? another
1: thing too is in terms of the importance of the first year experience is that you want them to understand sort of like the, the, the way college works. Like so I always mm-hmm. encourage them to come see me. Yes. Because they believe I don't know how, I don't know what's going on in high schools, but they perceive that coming to your professor, coming to your professor's office is literal last resort that there is no situation in which I should come to my professor unless you know I'm you know bleeding from some sort of orifice and I could tell them all the time I'm just like come see me and I tell my students I don't read rough drafts I just have too many students um, so I say bring me your rough draft print it out so it can mean you can sit across the table and I will read your rough draft ten times and by the time and so by the time that um, paper hits the inbox I've already seen this paper right. 10 times I don't even have to look at it because I know it's good because I help make it good and but they're always just so gobsmacked they're like what you'll read it yeah. right you know like I can come well, and like just and, come chit chat with me and in my think office.
0: about their k-12 experience where those, those teachers have more students and more classes mm-hmm. every single day my students are always amazed at the feedback that they get I give pretty lengthy um feedback and, and I take it really seriously because I want them to see somebody Responding to their ideas. That's the number one thing that I want to do Um, But they've had teachers they have if they're lucky five minutes per paper and it's still going to take them ten hours to read all Of their students papers. Yeah, Um, and so (laughs) they've never had someone engage with their ideas before. No wonder they don't think their ideas Are important Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying this to blame the K through 12 teachers They are in an impossible situation and they still teach students valuable things. Mm -hmm. Summary is valuable You can't do analysis if you can't do summaries, right? right? You're right. Um, And the basic five paragraph essay has tons of limitations but it is useful in particular situations yes it's uh, a tool
1: but students don't necessarily understand they right. they the, the five paragraph essay is a beginning right but they perceive it as the end as the right. goal right See, like, you know,
2: there, there, I, I don't have a problem with the five paragraph essay i know when i was at gta everybody was like you got to get away from the five paragraph but when i was in college man that was like my bread and butter i could i could yeah. i could go into an essay exam and i knew that i could uh, so, essay
0: exams. I, that's what they are. That's well, what they're
2: well, writing for. I've kind of come around to like, you know, organization is sort of an individualist thing, also mitigated by by the circumstances yeah. of it. So if if you organize in this way, if you organize, say, bullet points, bullet points are, you know, really sort of the lingua franca today yeah, of the whole. So like if, you writing, know, if right. the student is developing their own, this is the way they organize stuff. I
1: I don't. I, I don't, don't have have a forbid problem with it. I don't year. forbid it, but what happens is so sometimes they won't have enough, but they feel so obligated to fulfill that particular. Um, format so they're just like just sort of like reiterating and it's just a bunch of yeah. filler and bullcrap yeah. or they feel like I have to get all of what I'm saying into these five paragraphs so their paragraphs are literally a page and a half long what I think and so I'm asking them to like yeah. critically think okay do I really need like how, how can I make this paper look accessible read accessible and be sort of audience friendly That's what and, I'm trying to ask them to do and
0: I mean organization's tough like I'm working on some stuff right now and trying to figure out how to get my ideas to make sense mm-hmm. and what the what needs to come first, right? Like I'm gonna have five different versions before I get it where I want it. Um, but what I try to show them are options. And so we will take somebody, they'll talk to their idea, and we'll like diagram on the board a couple different ways to organize it. Um, and you know, it won't be perfect. I don't think students for the most part, some of their papers blow my socks off, but a lot of them are still works in progress really because they've only revised it once. But what matters to me is that they've actually been intentional and they've made choices. Right,
1: that's what I want too and for yeah. as non-traditional as my classes I'm still a little bit of a purist when I like it's I want them to establish a strong thesis statement first and I want them to conceive of some you know like some because why points and like and I really teach that particular form which I know some other professors don't but I find especially students who don't identify as good writers mm-hmm. that if you can offer them some sort of formula which they can follow that, that becomes easier for them to cultivate right. bigger ideas. And they move can move wa- away
0: from it later. Mm-hmm.
1: And because the, they can walk those big ideas into a form that feels comfortable to them.
0: We've hit a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk, and I think we've danced around this question, but I would love for us to think about, so we started with what's the importance of first-year writing courses? What isn't important about these courses? Either to us personally, like hmm. so for instance, you don't want to be a gatekeeper, right? Um, but what are other things?
1: Hands down, the midterm final system. I yeah. find it to be the most inorganic thing. Note, there's never going to be a situation in these students' life where someone says, Okay, sit down and you have two hours to write a pristine, well thought out, critically analytical paper in which you don't you can't put it away and come back to it to proofread you can't do any real sort of like extensive research inside it like it is the most inorganic way to assess a particular so person. It's the moved opposite away. of
0: what we taught them like right. I just taught them about revision all semester why exactly. am I going
1: to punish exactly. them. So yeah I so, so I do a project mm-hmm. for my students um that still sort of incorporates the ideals and stuff, but this idea that they have to sit down and write this, that's what we've been complaining about high school this whole time. Yeah. And then we're gonna sort of we're gonna give them a final essay in which they have to sit. It feels so antithetical to what yeah. we're doing.
0: I don't know if we actually have anyone who does that version of it, thank goodness. But, yes. I mean, when they tell us things like we have to meet during the final exam period, that can get misconstrued. Mm-hmm.
2: I think um, out, output outcomes I don't agree with outcomes I I don't see I don't think education is a a finalized thing I don't think it's an outcome thing I think it's an on go or some other weird pun yeah so like the idea of like this sort of accomplishment bar to reach at the end of the the semester I don't think that's that I don't think that's important at all I think especially in in, when you have courses like ours Classes like ours with such a diverse student body. So, this so is, I think I think what's more important for me is that each student that I set up a, a course of experiences and 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 um, uh, activities in which each student will improve or grow relative to where they are when they come into the class, and also relative to where they want to go in college here or beyond.
0: So outcomes is a, I think part of what you're bucking against is the idea of outcomes as an assessment tool, so we can decide how good the right. class was where they can go. But I do think the a positive way that outcomes could work is that they say, here's what the course is striving for. Um, and it helps provide coherence, so at least we're going toward the same things, even if we don't all get to the same um, benchmark. Well,
2: but I'm talking about just a different way of looking at well, it this completely like, that, that education, learning, growing is not a benchmark thing it's a flow it's like a river you know and if I can set up an experience where they can they can kind of change their relationship to it and mm-hmm. see it that way as a process that they can kind of flow along and improve um, I think that's a good thing. I would also say that what is not important and is in fact uh, unnecessary is grades.
1: well I was gonna say I was gonna ask it's gonna <coughs> sound very uh, non we sound very um, old-fashioned but then I was like which it's really good theoretically right but then we still have to sit down and assign them a grade. And so without any kind of um, codified outcomes, whether it be whatever, you know, improvement, we still have to sit down and click that A, B, or C at the end of the semester. So like, how do you get there if we don't have some kind of, like, way to understand how they've done?
2: Well, it's a discussion for another show. But yeah. I yeah. mean, simply I'd say I do it based on whether they do the work. If a student does all the work that I set out for them, they'll get an A. Okay. You know? Um... <clears throat> And they'll grow. I know that they'll grow. I know that they'll grow. You know, I know that if they do all these steps, they're going to get better. No doubt. And and I see it. I see it in terms of if there is an outcome that I'm interested in, it's that they write more. Right. Yes. The more more they put out, the more words, the more ideas, the more confident they get. That's a good outcome. But to me, it's not an outcome, it's an on-go.
1: Yeah, right. Which is a, I mean, is a really beautiful idea, but doesn't necessarily fit the system that we live in. Well, fuck the system. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the system is made by
2: people who fail at what we're doing and ascend the ranks and create. And here we are. And
0: here's here's the the complicated part. Um, You know, like you know. Um, for those that don't know Joe it has a tenure position here and Joe has a little more protection if he wants to do those things yeah, i oversee. I'm not tenured
2: as a host well not as a host I'm, assistant I'm sorry post, um, but
0: at but yeah. Columbus State University <laughs> but for our you know the majority of composition classes nationwide are taught by contingent workers yeah. um, or by even lecturers who when your contract is done there's no guarantee that it's yeah. renewed and so, the, so with so
1: many students though I feel like maybe my job or but, we do have some job security And that's, but
0: the tension with the system like, because um, I think there are sure. lots of ways that the system is not built up to match what we know about how people learn. Um, But uh, not everybody has the same level of flexibility within it like at least if they want to like keep being employed
1: yeah but all of us have to but all of us have to do the thing you know what i mean all of us have to, have to have to put grades in all of us have to like take writing samples all of us have to do that like that's just there's no wiggle room in that do you yeah. know what i mean like there's just not i mean at the end of the semester you don't put your grades in they're hunting you down be like well, hey lady yeah. where are your grades well and then it
0: hurts students because whether yeah. or not we
1: like the system the students need the grade to move exactly. through the system mm-hmm.
0: Back to the question, what isn't important about FYC courses? I don't know if it's quite what the question asks, but I think a lot of people, the ideal is they think, I'm gonna take this class and then I'm gonna be a good writer. Or yeah. they're oh, gonna take this cl- class oh. and they're gonna be able to do any writing a situation. And like that's not what FYC is that's not how writing works there's no 16 weeks 32 week no. thing like I'm a, I'm a really good writer in a very sliver tiny sliver of genre right yeah. but if I had to go tomorrow and like um, write a like a newspaper article I would be like oh gosh this is gonna kill me I have yeah. to like be less oh, wordy yeah. and I have to move this mm-hmm. all around or if I had to go write up an abstract for a psychology I think I would struggle but I have the tools to get through it and yeah. I and I know how I could figure it out like that's closer to where I want them to be Um, and so if we could just change the culture of because you can write a good paper in one genre you're you're a good writer in all genres that that's not yeah maybe
2: well the thing though that I do do is that I mean it's shown that if you um, if you successfully do a genre or a particular writing challenge a particular form that process that you went through is transferable right. to other private yes. situations. Yes, and I tell students, them that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You gotta, that's a, you gotta we be should explicit. talk about that in another episode, the whole yeah. idea of transparency. Because right. I think part of the problem, that we're seeing coming out of high school is that there's no transparency whatsoever. It's completely like a dictator yeah. type. This, yeah, this is this. how you do it and all the time. Why, yeah.
1: And this particular generation of students really responds to that kind of thing. And right. so, but I was going to say that I think maybe speaking about outcomes, like generally speaking, I think our all, all of our, one of our outcomes should be like learn how to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like learn how to assess. Okay, well, right. Like, that's, you know, I
0: think anything that says rhetorical situation, that's Yeah, like learn how to
1: figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't don't wait on me to tell you, and that's kind of what you're saying—that they sort of progress through yeah. um, that their comfort and their confidence right. as just a general writer or student.
0: But and that thing that Joe is talking about, and I think it's something we all do. Um, as successful teachers of composition. But I mean, even the most traditional, current traditional classes, if they could be more explicit about what the skill is and, and yeah. what the student can do with it beyond the one situation that they have it, mm-hmm. students can get useful things. But um, I, I think plenty of teachers actually aren't aware of that. They've never thought about how they transfer it whenever they go to write an email. We'll see.
2: Or well, here's another, sure. another ugly truth, you know. Um, there's the old line, if you can't do, teach. So you know. That's gross. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't say that to
2: us. Well, I think a lot of a lot of English teachers are they don't write. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe
1: right. Well, right also, I know you
2: write a lot. You write a lot, and I write a lot, but like.
1: You know. Well, I mean, writing is a language just like anything else. If you don't do it, you, you lose it. And like you were saying this earlier about how um, some folks who have literature backgrounds or, you know, medieval backgrounds yeah. or whatever, and they they have to teach comp because that's just the, the sheer volume of classes we have. And so they don't actually have some pragmatic applications to it. Yeah. They don't do have the meta language to talk about what they're doing. Um, exactly. And because we are writers, we can, I think that there is a. Um, An empathy that we have with my students I tease them sometimes when they're sitting Mm -hmm. there in front of a blank page you know Stephen King was like famously was like oh there's something more intimidating than a blank page and so that might not be something that's readily on a medieval teachers mind or a poetics teachers do you know what I mean I think
0: they probably all are writers but they might not recognize how the writing that they're doing is transferable to what students are doing you know and there Maybe. is kind of some teachers it's it's not thank god at columbus state at least in our um, um department i think we really respect our students as writers and we like teaching them but i have certainly worked with people before who they're just like oh freshmen oh it's yeah. the worst we got a i hate it what they're doing is like fake thinking and it's like no it's it's developing thinking but yeah. i'd like to see you like plopped in a totally new like discipline and how your fun stuff would be or how yeah. beautiful your writing would
1: be yeah but yeah um you know my particular sense i pop culture though like i insist that they are already the experts mm-hmm. so now it's like learning how to transfer that's like my entire my entire teaching philosophy is just transfer how can you transfer what you already know into a thing i'm asking you to do mm-hmm. how can you how can we, Understand that what you already know is valuable. So use that into this thing that you don't know yet. That's what my entire teaching philosophy right there
0: Yeah, and I'm recently I've been thinking a lot about the idea of near transfer and far transfer. Have you heard those terms? No, like near transfer is like when I teach you how to do um, MLA format and then you have to do APA format and it's recognizable enough You know exactly what you're doing far transfer is when it feels so different. So I teach you how to analyze a prompt for uh, an essay and then your boss gives you a writing assignment someday just in an mm. email, and you don't recognize these are both people asking for products, right? And So you don't you think I have no skills for this second one. And nice. so like, but students need a lot of, again, like that meta, they have to know what they know very deeply, they have to really internalize it to be able to kind of pull, draw on it in those situations. And that is, again, that'd be something, you know, when I think about first year writing, or even if you go, they have the vertical model where you like take one, writing classes like a freshman and another one like as a junior so not getting it all done mm-hmm. but you can kind of do it over time which right. I think is a really yeah. interesting idea but like kind of developing that meta awareness I think is a interesting way to think about what the class might actually be able
1: to do yeah for sure cuz we want them to leave with more critical thinking skills than they came yeah. in with that's ideal
0: yeah critical thinking critical listening and confidence right like
1: confidence yes i there's an
2: outcome i want Confidence Yeah, be like, you know what you're doing. You know, you're good. Have at it. This mm-hmm. is good. And know when to get help when you need it. Yeah. I mean, when he said the thing about the business project, if your boss says, here, I need this writing assignment. Well, you're not going to do that alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Necessarily. I mean, You're going right. to have someone else in your office and say, hey, you know. And if you're smart, you're going to say, buttons, do you have a
0: model? Did somebody do this before? And you're you going to look it? and oh, see yeah, how exactly, it looks. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what I'm going to apply for some like release and I was like Judy do you have any models of other people because I don't know how to write this release yeah, right I'm like always, the
1: instructions are dreadful. Yeah. Um, I'm always happy to sort of like provide examples to my students.
0: So I guess um, as we're wrapping up here did anybody have kind of a maybe we'll each go around and we'll just say kind of like one summary of a thing about the, the class that may be really important to us. So whether or not it's the purest version of the class, like as teachers of first-year writing, what do we really care about?
1: I really care about them. We just literally said it. But sort of like having the confidence to figure it out. They want to say, like, okay, I might not be great at this, but I can figure out a way to be great at it. And that's something that I think, I mean, just human beings oftentimes um, are – Unprepared with new skills, but I want them to leave thinking, okay, all right, I know some things now. I know I know that I can get, I can figure out the next one, but I don't know, that might be.
0: If I had to say, kind of I would. More than anything, I want them to leave knowing that they have ideas, and that other people take their ideas seriously. Mm. Like you know, and no matter how messy they are, no matter how much they're being pushed on, every time I read one of their papers. I want to understand what they're trying to say, and I might, you know, ask some questions to develop it. But the the attitude that I always go into the paper with, and try very hard to make obvious in my comments, is that you have something valuable to say, and writing is the tool that we I can That's help nice. you develop. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I take both of yours, and, <laughs> and uh, um, I guess add the rebellious aspect of it that I want them to see, kind of a different. I want to disabuse them of what they what they come to. My my class with most of them, um, you know that that writing is about obedience. Writing is about you
0: know, correctness.
2: Correctness fitting into a model and all that sort of stuff. Um, and hopefully, in that, that will encourage them and them, you know, to make bold statements, to 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 really reach farther yes. than summary, farther than following the rules that they actually. Because going back to what I. Was said at the beginning, as far as like, you know, what I think, where it fits in with the world. um, That you know, college, the purpose that it serves in our society, right or wrong, Mm -hmm. is that it's sort of a, you know, it divides the the servant class, I guess, from the leadership class. It gives you the skills to 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 be an entrepreneur, to be a leader, to be uh, an innovator, um, and and uh, I think. if if my class can sort of shake them up and see that they have that potential in them. Um,
1: And that writing
2: can be a part of that.
1: I like the idea of being bold, too. (laughs) I like that a
0: lot. So I want to thank you guys um, one more time. I'm Rebecca curtis McLean. We've got Joe Miller and Sunday Rose, and we hope that you enjoyed our first episode of It's Complicated.